Another Chiefs minicamp has come and gone, and things were mostly quiet for the team this year. There were the usual surprises, newcomers who impressed, and some interesting quotes from current and former players. Cough, cough, Le'Veon Bell. But things were quieter around here than in other NFL camps. and Maybe that's the case with a team looking for its third straight Super Bowl appearance. Still, there's plenty to discuss, and we do that today on Sportsbeat KC with beat writer Herbie Teope. It's Monday, June 21st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. After a break, you'll hear from a couple of Chiefs, Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill, who met with reporters last week. So let's get started talking Chiefs and the end of minicamp with Herbie Teope. Okay, Herbie, we always talk about seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, we are at the end of the tunnel when it comes to off-season activities for the Chiefs. I think it was relatively quiet. Um, they're, they're, they're Compared to past years and certainly compared to previous uh, or, or other teams in the NFL, what do you, how about, what, what do you think? I mean, there, just, there, there was some news, but it wasn't a big newsy um, OTAs in minicamp. Yeah, nobody got arrested, which is always a good thing. But of course, now we have to to worry about this next month because they're on a break. Fingers crossed. Uh, yes, fingers crossed. No major contract issues, unlike last summer. You know, we, when you when we went into this break, we were wondering when they're going to extend Mahomes, when are they going to extend Chris Jones, or put the you know sign him to a franchise tag, or even Kelsey. The only big thing this th- at this point now is Tyron Matthew, but that's something that we've discussed in length. Um, what, ever since the season ended. So that that's basically the only thing that's hanging out there right now. Other than that, a lot of interesting things coming out of camp, though. You know, personnel decisions, who's lining up where, et cetera. But you're right. This has been a relatively quiet thing, and that's a good thing. It's never a bad thing. We're not worried if Aaron Rodgers is going to show up. You know, I, I, I cringe thinking if I were covering the Packers because those guys are on high alert 24-7. But you're right. So uh, the the Tyron Matthew thing, just to dismiss that, he says in an interview last week with with you, you and Sam and others that cover the Chiefs on a regular basis, I can't see myself wearing another uniform. So I think I I think it puts it to rest that it's going to get done. The Chiefs get these deals done with the people they want to get them done with. They showed it last year with Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes. Kelsey Hill, they've extended the people that I, I think Tyron Matthews at that level of those guys, he, you know, he, he's a foundational player that the chiefs want to keep. And, uh, and I think we'll see him in a chief's uniform for, for a long time. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Remember last off season, uh, Brett Veach, general manager, Brett Veach used the word priority quite a few times when he was discussing Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones and, I remember early in this offseason, I asked Veach, you know, where would you put Tyron Matthew? And he said the same thing. Oh, he's a priority. You know, this is a guy they want to keep here. It's just a matter of getting the numbers done. And this is the time of year when you start seeing it. And, and Veach has been pretty steadfast about that throughout the offseason. You know, it'll, you know, if it happens, it'll be, you know, he, he pointed to Mahomes how they handled Mahomes. He pointed to Jones how they handled Jones. And if he's going off of that timeline, it'll, you know, you probably can expect something to happen in July before the start of training camp. Right. Yeah, that seems to be the Chiefs' uh, MO when it comes to the, these, uh, the contract extensions. Let's talk about uh, 
I don't know if there were any big surprises in camp, but there were a couple of names, and we've, we've talked about this too, whenever a player or a coach volunteers a name, you pay attention to that. And I'm going to give you two names, and you tell me what you thought of these, these players in camp. And uh, the first one is the rookie tight end, Noah Gray. Uh, it was Travis Kelsey talked about him, and Andy Reid, uh, Eric Bieniemy. they all talked about him. What, um, do, do, what do we think about him? And I, look, what, what do we know, right? He's a rookie. We're, we're not going to know much about him until uh, training camp in, in July. But the fact that he's, his name came up a lot means he's, he was doing some things here in, this, uh, in minicamp. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, even from the practices that we were able to observe, because, you know, we got two days of minicamp, three days of OTAs. But here's the thing, and I want to temper enthusiasm here because the skill set is more as a receiver. The Chiefs do run a lot of 12 personnel packages, but outside of Kelsey, that second tight end is relied upon as a blocker. And when I think of Noah Gray, I think of him as like the Travis Kelsey of the future. Uh, not necessarily as an inline blocker like the guy they brought back in Blake Bell because that's where Bell thrives. Last year, they got away from a, the majority of 12 personnel packages they like to run. When Bell and Kelsey were together in 2019, they ran a lot. They were among the league leaders in how many times they, they trotted out two tight ends because that's an Andy Reid staple. Uh, Noah Gray is going to have the opportunity to learn under a guy like Kelsey what it takes to be a receiver because, you know, the thing you think about Noah Gray and, you, and you've heard some of the players talk about it, excuse me, Kelsey talk about it, and the coaches is how natural of a receiver he is. We're not going to say that about Blake Bell because that's just not his forte. Can he catch the ball? Absolutely, but that's not what he's there for. He's there to be that blocking component to the passing game. Well, and I, I wonder if we don't see him with, uh, you know, double-digit receptions. You know, it's been a while, right? We probably since Demetrius Harris, since a second tight end had any kind of production in the, in the passing game. So that's something to keep uh, to keep an eye on once the once we get into preseason. The other name that I think was interesting that, that I think it was Andy Reid who brought him up was was Jaron Reed and uh, the, the defensive tackle that they acquired from where they Seattle, um, was yeah, correct, previous team. And all of a sudden, um, my ears perked up when I heard Andy talk about uh, Jaron Reed. And, of course, one of the reasons is not just because of his talent, but because of what his impact could be along the defensive line. What, what do we expect from Jaron Reed? Jaron Reed, to me, is the guy that frees up Chris Jones. And before in the past, we were hinting at what we saw because, you know, we can't report what we saw out there. But, hey, Chris Jones said it himself. Hey, I'm playing defensive end now, and that's huge because you've got a guy in Chris Jones, he can get after the pass, you know, either inside or outside. But his early years with the Chiefs defense – was spent as a defensive end in Bob Sutton's 3-4 defensive scheme. Now, in the 4-3 base under Steve Spagnuolo, he, he mostly stayed inside. But Jaron Reed allows the Chiefs to do so much on defense. They can get flexible. Uh, you know, to, to me, it wouldn't surprise me to see them trot out at the start of the season. Jones at the left defensive end, Derek Nottie and Jaron Reed inside, and then Frank Clark on that right defensive end. Reed gives this team so many options now where they can – get creative, and get Chris Jones and Frank Clark off the edge. And I think that's the biggest thing about it. Okay. 
So the biggest position, uh, the biggest question uh, coming into the preseason uh, position-wise was the offensive line, right? We all knew what happened when the Super Bowl and the Chiefs made some great moves to, to shore that up. My question to you is, on opening day, 2021, what is the Chiefs' starting offensive line? Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, okay. I'm going to pull out the crystal ball, and then obviously we know Orlando Brown at left tackle. Yeah. Joe Tooney at left guard. I'm going to say they'll start Creed Humphrey at center. Uh, right tackle, I'm going to say Mike Remmers. Now, here's where it gets lot, very, very interesting at right guard. Uh, Kyle Long suffered a knee injury. You know, he might be ready for training camp. He might not. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif returns from uh, his sabbatical last year. You know, he took he opted out because of COVID, but he was doing great things because, you know, he was putting his doctor's degree to work and now he's back. But the guy I'm going to say is probably going to end up being starter when the, when the season starts, the rookie Trey Smith, you know, and it, got, it goes back to what Andy Heck said earlier in OTAs. He's like, this guy is going to be a starter in the league. And it just would, to me, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they trust Trey Smith to go ahead and do that. Wow. That, that would be huge. I mean, this is a guy who, when they drafted him, um, said something like, I don't, I don't know. The, the, the sense was a little, a little bit of a project uh, because of his uh, injury history. And that's why he was available in the, was it the sixth round they grabbed him? Yes. So um, that's, um, they, they um, th- that would be a, that would be something that, well, he would, that would mean he, would ha- he had a terrific um, uh, training camp. But there, are, there would be other options there, right? Andrew Wiley is an option, uh, old standby, Andrew Wiley. And um, Lucas Niang, I know that the, the idea is to, you know, have him become, the, the, I think, eventually the right tackle, but play guard in college at, at TCU. So it seems like there are some options at right guard. Duvernay Tardif, uh, Trey Smith, Lucas Niang, Andrew Wiley, just to name a few. Even Nick Allegretti, because Allegretti can play guard or center as well. Right. Right. I, I think when you look at Trey Smith, obviously he's a mountain of a man. You know, he, he comes from the SEC, so he's battle tested. But, you know, at the, at the start of OTAs, Kyle Long was probably taking a lot of the snaps. But now that he's down, it, you know, and I think they're still trying to work Deron, excuse me, Duvernay Tardis back into football shape. And this is giving them an opportunity to, to really take a hard look at Trey Smith. Uh, you know, you, we mentioned names that pop up, but I, I think the way that Andy Heck was glowing about him during OTAs, that, that said a lot. Absolutely. Uh, again, always pay attention to what a coach says. Um, and it's funny with, the, with, with the, I keep bringing it up. Um, sometimes it's, it's not, it's not necessarily a coach volunteering a name, but it's how much time they spend talking about him too. When you ask specifically about a player. Like yeah. they got a, if they got a lot to say, then you know they've made an impression. The other, and, and to that point too, you know, I hate to take it off the rails here, but there's another player I think folks need to take a look at as well. If you remember on the final day of uh, minicamp availability, Tyron Matthew was asked about cornerback Mike Hughes, whom the Chiefs traded for uh, this offseason. And, and Matthew, good lord, I think if, if you look at the transcript of the thing, it was like almost 400 words. <laughs> Just asked about a player, and Matthew just raved about. Uh, so that, that's another guy to take a look at as well. That's interesting because you know we're looking at him at corner with uh, with Legarius Sneed and and uh, Charverius Ward 
as the as the probable starters, I would think, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's what we're looking at here. Certainly, Ward, who started last year, and Snead was terrific as a rookie when he wasn't hurt. And um, you know, Rashad Fenton is back. DeAndre Baker is an interesting guy for me. You know, um, we'll see what happens with him. And of course, Bo P. Keys, a former draft, the Chiefs draft pick from two years ago. So options there, but that's. I didn't know what to make of Mike Hughes when um, w- when the Chiefs obtained him, and uh, I thought maybe special teams guy. But uh, but you're right, Ty- Tyron Matthew had a lot to say about him, and if he made an impression, then that's that's somebody certain to keep an eye on when we go into training camp. Okay, just a couple other things, Herbie. Um, the, uh, the the Chiefs did have a late signing, right? Wide receiver uh, Darius Shepard from uh, local product Blue Springs High, and went to North Dakota State, played with the Packers for the last couple of years. Speaking of special teams, he probably made a bigger impact on special teams than he did as a wide receiver. I think he was six uh, six receptions for 47 yards in 14 games. But um, what what's the, you know, why, why make this move and what are his prospects? Both are death at wide receiver. His prospects at this point – uh, he's got a lot to work through to even sniff or get close to the 53. It, it, a lot of competition at the wide receiver position. I know a lot of folks are locking in on who replaces Sammy Watkins, but when you look at their top four, they're pretty heavy. Okay, you've got Tyreek Hill, you've got uh, Byron Pringle, you've got Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman, and, and then they spent a, a draft pick on Cornell Powell. Powell, right, right. Uh, Brett Veach has raved about Antonio Callaway, and he's looked good out there. Uh, so he, he's got a lot of competition there. Derek Dieter returns. Marcus Kemp returns. So when you look at the wide receiver position and you start projecting who are their top four or five, it's kind of hard to say where Darius Shepard is going to fit. He signed as a, after a, a successful tryout during the mandatory minicamp. So this is a guy, if they, if they like him, obviously, then they're going to give him a chance, and we'll have to see what he looks like when the pads come on. And of course, they waived uh, Martinez Rankin to to make room for that uh, for that signee. The other thing that happened it was late in the you know, last week when we got to talk to some players. I think it was Sam McDowell, um, our, our colleague, asked Travis Kelsey about uh, about vaccinations, and he came pretty strong with it. And look, I, I think some teams. You know, we mentioned that the Chiefs have went through a relatively smooth, injury-free, um, you know, OTAs and minicamp, and we didn't hear much about, you know, vaccinations, that sort of thing. Um, but it has that, that type of thing has the potential to be disruptive. If you've got a large percentage of, and I, I don't know, I don't, don't want to define large, but just say a percentage of players that aren't vaccinated, you know, at least with the Chiefs, and I don't know if this is an NFL protocol, but if you're not vaccinated, you can't eat with your teammates. You have to wear a mask while you're in the facility. People are going to know who is and who is not vaccinated. And I think something like that's got the potential to to be disruptive to a team. And maybe that's why some of the other teams, you know, cut their short or, um, you know, didn't go through many camps. I don't know. That's That's speculation on my part. That wasn't the case with the Chiefs, even though it's it's reasonable to believe that there are still some players that um, you know that, that haven't gotten the vaccine. Yeah, and that's a good point because the threshold is eighty five percent, and I think this is the reason why we still haven't seen anything from the Chiefs on where they're doing training camp. 
because in accordance with the NFL protocol, teams have to be 85 percent uh, vaccinated before they're they're allowed to go off and do camp um, outside of their training facility. Clearly, there's an issue in Buffalo because Buffalo said, hey, we're not traveling. We're going to stay in place. And then, of course, their wide receiver, Cole Beasley, went on a rant. Uh, Y'all can Google that if you want. I won't go into it. (laughs) But, yeah, it's 85 percent. And if I'm not mistaken, I think as of Friday, there's only two teams in the NFL that have met that standard, one of them being the Saints. Andy Reid said, you know, they're up there among the league leaders, although he didn't give us a percentage of how many are vaccinated. But this, you're right. This is something that's going to be watched very closely. And unfortunately, as you mentioned, you're going to know who's not vaccinated and who is vaccinated. If we start hearing of tier one, tier two team personnel, their coaches who can't get be around the players because they're not vaccinated, you're going to know. Uh, and the same thing with the players. Well, I can see where the next several weeks until we get to training camp, there's going to be or maybe there should be by the uh, on the part of the NFL uh, a, a real encouragement for those who have not been vaccinated to to get the vaccine. Um, I mean, we're seeing listen, we're seeing spikes in certain areas now, and uh, you know, in places that that had low numbers of a low percentage of vac- vaccinations, and um, the NFL did. A, I, I thought the NFL did a really nice job last year getting through the season. You know, they had the scheduling issues. Uh, Chiefs were affected by it, right? With the had to play Buffalo on a was it a Tuesday night up there, or some something crazy like that. Um, but the NFL doesn't want to go through anything like that again, right? They they want a full season, a full capacity uh, at Arrowhead and, and all the other venues in the in the NFL. And uh, you know, it's one thing for we'll see how fans react to it, but uh, you know, to that, but. But for the team itself and have team personnel to to get to that 85%, as you mentioned, uh, I think the NFL is going to do everything they can quietly outside of the, the spotlight of minicamp and before training camp to, to make sure their numbers are uh, where they need to be. So, yeah. All right, Herbie. Uh, I really appreciate you catching up, uh, catching up with you and uh, and talking Chiefs. And I don't know if we're going to talk again for a few weeks. So. Um, enjoy your time away from this podcast because <laughs> you won't go far. I won't let you. So appreciate all you do, Herbie. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Blair. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll get started first with Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Chris. Uh, most of the talk surrounding you recently has been your move out to playing a little bit more along the edge. I was curious what your thoughts are on that, some of the challenges that go into it, and why that's so attractive to you. 
Um, I came in the league originally a DN. Uh, I was just, unfortunately, we had guys that um, excelled at that level when I came in as Justin Houston and D4. So, you know, um, I waited my time and uh, thank God it finally happened for me. Let's go next to Matt Derrick. Good, Matt. And speaking of that, you know, Chris, you know, when it comes to playing from the edge, especially with you and Frank, I know both of you guys like to play on the right side if you can. How does that work out? You know, is how much of that is, you know, you two working it out? How much of that is just a game plan, Spags and Daly working with you and figuring that out? And and what specifically do you think it benefits this team having you two guys opposite each other rather than alongside each other in the line? Um, most importantly, I think um, it can create advantages on this defense um, along the line of scrimmage. You know, maybe we found an offense alignment that we like to match up with me and Frank or, you know, interior guys. And we are able to exchange gaps now. You know, we're able to play left and right. So, you know, it doesn't really matter to me about sides. Um, whatever Frank's comfortable with, I don't mind rushing left, right. I'll stand up and rush from the middle as a linebacker if I have to. So uh, I'm just excited, decided to learn this position, learn the drops, cover three, cover two drops, man drops. So, you know, I'm still learning, still learning and um, progressing well. Let's go next to Sarin Petro. Good, Sarin. Chris, you talked a little bit about some of the techniques right there, but, uh, you know, just the difference maybe uh, overall. I, I know you're, you're not in pads, but just what, what you're going to have to do differently uh, to play DN versus inside where there's a lot more traffic. Uh, mainly for me, it's been um, um, lining up at a tight five rather than a loose five. Uh, I've been really tight. It kind of reminds me of a three tech. So I got to get that adjusted. And I, I think I'm transitioning well. You know, it takes a little time. But I think um, it's, it's been very productive during OTAs and veteran mini camp. And uh, we're going to try to transition to training camp and continue to improve. Let's go next to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Chris, uh, just wanted to know why you feel like you'll be a more productive player on the edge as opposed to one of those interior positions. Well, me personally, I feel like I can be productive inside, outside, just wherever um, the team puts me. You know, um, <clears throat> I think um, there's more advantages on the outside because of the fact of um, you can't really double team. You can chip, but you're not really getting as many double teams as a three tech would in this defense. So um, I'm excited about that. Go next to Harold Coons. Go ahead, Harold. Question about two players, Jaron Reed, the addition to him, how you feel that you guys are working out a defensive line with him in the mix? And then also, how, what do you see out of the rookie Josh Kando? Josh Kando um, reminds me a lot of Tano Capacio. He's very long, um, very, very good athletic ability. Uh, he's versatile. Um, I think that's a guy that in the future will be able to move around along this line. Um, once he gets his fundamentals down, um, he's a very good listener. Um, he's a student of the game. Jaron Reed, um, been merely impressed with Jaron Reed, man. His work ethic is, uh, he got a re really, really good work ethic. Um, you know, I ask a lot of questions and, you know, uh, I, I am, I'm honored to work alongside a guy like Jaron Reed, you know, with him being in the midst, I think it not only can help improve this line, but help improve this defense. Got time for a couple more. We'll go Nate and then Haley. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Chris. Since we know this has been something that you've wanted for a long time, do you want a ratio that's 50-50 inside-outside, or 
is it just dependent upon the matchups and like you said, how how you and Frank are sort of working this thing out? Um, you know, um, I haven't really thought that far into depth about it. I've just been trying to learn the schemes of the defense and the new adjustments I got to make. But um, for me personally, I just think that, you know, whatever Spags think is best for this defense, I know him and um, Brandon Daly will put a game plan together week by week. And some weeks it may be heavy outside or a heavy inside. So whatever game plan they have for me, um, I'm bought in to, uh, to execute that and, I, and I'm comfortable with it. And we'll go last to Haley Lewis. Go ahead, Haley. Hey, Chris. We just talked with Tyreek, who said um, he's right on board with Patrick Mahomes going for that 20-0 season. So I wanted to ask you, you know, are you buying into that as well? And has that been the mentality so far in minicamp? Yeah, you know, um, you got to set the bar high. You got to set the bar high, especially ending the season like we did. So, you know, it's not just Pat and Tyreek. I think we're all bought into it. But, you know, it's just focus on getting 1% better every day. We come in, we get 1% better every day and transitioning to uh, to training camp. And we take it to the first game of the season. And we're going to take it one week at a time. And then we'll see how it goes. Chris, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Herbie T.O.P. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Tyreek, how are you, man? Good to see you as always. What's up, buddy? Hey, same old, same old. Hey, uh, yesterday, Frank Clark and Travis Kelsey were talking about a need to remove the taste of the Super Bowl loss out of their mouth. A uh, uh-huh. two-part question here for you. How difficult is that for you as an athlete? And second part of the question is, how much motivation is that giving you to get back to that game? I mean, me me personally, man. I mean, I can't speak for no one else on this team, but I, like, just like they said, like, we still got that taste in our mouth, um, that bad sour taste, and we want to get back to what we got. But I mean, for me personally, man, it's the my, it's the same mindset every every year. You know, come out and um, help this team any way I can. You know, wh- whether that's making plays, whether that's mentoring, whatever the case may be. You know, I'm I'm just here for the team. You know, so I mean, obviously, I want to win. I want to I want to I want to have the stats. I want to do this. But whatever the team need, dog. Let's go next to Pete Sweeney. Good, Pete. Hey, Tyreek. You're obviously. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Uh, you're obviously the leader of the the wide receiver room here now. Been here a couple of years. Uh, Sammy Watkins is is no longer with the club. What's yeah. been the biggest difference without Watkins, and how do you think you guys managed to replace some of that production? I mean, it's definitely going to be tough, you know. But um, I definitely feel like as the season go on, you know, guys will guys will begin to feel that void, you know, um, that um, Sammy, you know, was feeling. So, I mean. It's definitely, I mean, having Pat, having Kelsey, you know, having a great offensive line definitely helps, you know, because um, you got other guys to mentor, to, um, to um, mentor those guys. So, I mean, McCole has played, D-Rob has played, you know, in Super Bowls, Pringle. So, I mean, I feel like, I mean, we're going to be all right. Like, we've been playing football our whole entire lives, so it's nothing new for us, you know. Let's go next to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Tyreek, good to see you. What's up, man? Um, hey, a couple of questions for you. One, uh, first up, I know how hard you usually work during the offseason yep. on your own. Um, what was your plan? What was your, your schedule like this year? And especially, you know, who are you working with now that I know that, you know, Coach Doug went to Baltimore and everything? Well, for me, man, I I mean, to be, truth be told, like, I really haven't been doing nothing this offseason. You know, I, I really took this time to, you know, just uh, spend time with my kids, you know, spend time, you know, with my family. You know, and just and just hang out. You know, I'm. I mean, I live in in, in Florida now, so I just been doing that. You know, um, speaking of Coach Dub, hopefully I can get up with him sometime during this off season because they do get a break the same way 
you know, the players get a break. So hopefully, you know, this next break that we get at the uh, mandatory mini camp, you know, me and him can uh, get together. I'm just waiting on my chance with him, man. You know? Lebo. <clears throat> Go ahead, Todd. I've got a, a couple questions here. First off, Tyreek, just generally speaking, when you've seen, what have you seen out of the rookie? And you, you mentioned uh, McColl and those guys. What do you think about Powell? What have you seen from him? You like, you like the looks of him so far? Yeah, he's definitely a smart kid. You know, um, I mean, me and him um, got similar things going for for us. Uh, he was drafted in, in the fifth round. I was drafted in the fifth round. So, you know, um, I um, I had a conversation with him, you know, telling him that, you know, when you come into, like, um, if you want to play on this team, like, it's a certain mindset. You know, like, we all believe that, you know, we can dominate and be the best group in the in the league. You know, so he's, he's definitely coming into a, a tough group, you know, who loves to compete. And um, who loves to challenge each other? So, I mean, he's been looking sharp so far. You know, um, good tough catcher, big hands. You know, um, silky in his routes. So he looks good so far. And then you guys hit. You know, made the title game in eighteen, won it all, mm-hmm. then ran it back. All that. You've started to see some of the guys kind of go away though. Sammy's gone. You know, Fisher and, and Schwartz aren't here. Do you start? thinking about the longevity of the whole thing, like maybe the whole core won't be around for a while as contracts start coming up and guys get older. Do you think at all about that, that side of it that you guys may not all be together after a while? I mean, I don't, I mean, I mean, I me me personally, I don't, I don't think like that. You know, I just, I just live in the moment, you know, I, I just live for now, you know, so I just enjoy what we got now, you know, so, and that's the group of guys that we got around us, you know, of course, Sammy, Eric, and all those other guys are going to be missed, but, we got to look for it. You know, we got to look for the future. And the future is what Patrick Mahomes said, which is 20 and 0. So that's what we're aiming for. Go next to Steve Walls. Good, Steve. Hey, what's up, Tyreek? What's up, man? Not much. Uh, just kind of what Todd was saying about uh, just having that core, that group of guys that you guys have been playing uh, together for a while. You know, uh, Travis, Patrick, D-Rob, those guys. But how can you guys get better? Uh, I mean, because you guys have had a lot of success, you know, going to the Super Bowl, uh, then losing last year. But just what do you guys need to do to get better for this year? Um, I just uh, honestly, like every guy has to look in the mirror and just say, hey, um, what do I need to get better at? First of all, you know, for me personally, you know, I just got to keep the mindset, you know, that I can dominate the whole season. You know, sometimes I, I feel like, you know, I've arrived, you know, instead of just, you know, just like keeping that mumble mentality and pushing throughout the whole season. You know, so that, that's just me personally, you know, but as a group, like, I feel like we're great. Our bond is great on the field. Our bond is great off the field, you know, so I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for other guys. We'll go last to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Tyreek, I know it's early in the new transition of the coaching staff, but you've worked so long with Greg Lewis. What's it been like now to, to know Joe Blameyer a little bit more? as being in the receiving room and how may that uh, help the help the group this season? Oh, well, Joe is is di- very different from uh, G-Lou. You know, G-Lou, he, he played ball, so, like, he's kind of a character. You know, Joe is like a different ball game. You know, Joe, he's a smart guy. You know, he has all the facts about a route, you know, has the science behind it and stuff like that. But it's, it's definitely cool, you know, to um, get the other side you know, of, of football like that, you know. So I'm learning a lot from Joe. I mean, he's a great coach. Um, I, I, I think he'll be great um, during the season. You know, he get like um, he gets along with everybody, you know, in our room. So 
I mean, everyone, everyone in our room, really, everyone in our room just wants to get, uh, get better. So whatever it takes, you know. Ty, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, boss. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Links to his and other Chiefs stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website. And, of course, they appear first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. If you want more than just sports coverage, check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the e-edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com. I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode Talking Kansas City Royals. <laughs>